When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is first ballot Hall of Famer and World Series champion, Wade Boggs. Today's guest says he was often told in the minor leagues that he'll never play third in the majors, that he didn't hit for power, and he wasn't fast enough. It would be an understatement to note that this first ballot Hall of Famer far exceeded expectations. And it's my pleasure to welcome a member of baseball's elite 3,000 hit club, the great Wade Boggs. Wade, it's great to see you and welcome to game time. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, in 2005, you were elected to Cooperstown with a 91.9% of the vote. Did that, did that number surprise you? Absolutely. I didn't think I was getting in. It was, uh, you never know until that, that fateful day. And, and you wait for the phone to ring, and, and naturally all your friends are calling before you get the, the, uh, the faithful phone call. But, uh, uh, yeah, you always have in the back of your mind the doubt that, uh, that when you answer the phone, they're going to say, better luck next year, Wade. Uh, we'll look forward <laughs> to uh, hopefully talking to you next year. And when... When I found out uh, the percentage that uh, that I had received, uh, it just uh, it it speaks volumes for the punch and Judy table that we have at uh, in, in Cooperstown. Yeah, I don't know about the punch and Judy table. You're a hell of a player, both in the field and at the plate. There's no question about it. You know, this year only one player gets voted in, and that's David Ortiz, obviously the Red Sox. Uh, do you think your former teammate Roger Clemens deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Well, I, I think that that's, uh, that was something up to the writers, and, and the writers had uh, sort of uh, put the word out that uh, the guys that were connected or suspected of uh, using uh, PEDs, uh, that the writers weren't, uh, weren't going to allow them to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's speculation that there are guys in the Hall of Fame that have used them, um, I don't sit down at the Hall of Fame and talk with guys and ask them personally, did you do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, it's, it's one of those things that the, that the writers uh, have that prerogative either to vote for or against. Speaking of uh, Big Poppy, he was a designated hitter, and the major leagues looks like it's headed towards a universal DH rule. Is that good for baseball? It's great for baseball because when you get older in your, uh, in your career, uh, you, can still, you can still hit. And Big Poppy proved that. Edgar Martinez proved that. Uh, various pa- various players that uh, sort of uh, lag in the field uh, can go and DH for possibly two to three years. And and I, I think it'll put a little bit more excitement into uh, the National League uh, without having pitchers hit, naturally. Um, I'm, I'm sure everybody's thankful for that. But uh, the, the run score... Uh, the run scoring ability in the National League will go up naturally. Uh, the ERAs will go up probably because you're adding another 
a potent bat into into an already uh, potent lineup. So uh, I, I think it's it's great for baseball. You are the only player ever to compile four straight seasons of 200 hits and 100 walks, and you led the league in on-base percentage six different times in an era before the analytics revolution. I'm wondering if you think you are ahead of your time. Oh, I was way ahead of my time. <laughs> when you look at 200 hits, 100 walks for four years in a row, and coincidentally, it could have been five in a row. I needed four walks in 95 and and 85 to uh, to make it five in a row. So, but uh, I think that that benchmark right there will will never be broke because guys they they just they don't walk 80 times now. Right. So to ask someone to walk a uh, hundred times is is sort of like uh, going out on 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 a on a limb. We'll be back to continue our chat with Wade Boggs in a moment. I come across this Wade Boggs challenge. I certainly don't uh, invite people to uh, try to try to uh, duplicate this. But uh, back in the day, uh, the the record was 73 from Boston to L.A. You're watching Game Time with Boomer Esiason. Welcome back to Game Time. Wade Boggs' parents were both military aviators, and he claims that growing up in a military household was the greatest thing to have happened to me. Dinner was always at 5.30, Boggs recalls, and if you weren't home at 5.30, you didn't eat. So uh, I guess regimentation did affect you in a positive way, didn't it? A lot of people call it superstitions, and, and when you have... Uh, a regiment that, that you eat at the same time every day, you get to the yard the same time every day, uh, you take your ground balls at the same time every day, you know exactly what time the game's starting, unless it's raining naturally. But uh, everything is, is, is sort of on a time frame. And, and I, was not the, I was not the type of player that, that liked to get on the team bus and get to the, get to the yard uh, 30 minutes or 20 minutes before we had to be on the field and hurry to get dressed. Uh, I like to take my time. And and go through the the eighty or so superstitions that I had to for everything to fall into place and and the OCD thank God I don't have it anymore uh, it sort of went away after I retired thank God but uh, um, it just puts you in a in a in a clear mind frame that that there's no there, there's no real surprises that are coming your way and then once the bell rings uh, for game time. Uh, you go into that really lockdown mode of, of uh, your brain really doesn't think of anything. And, and in my opinion, that's sort of the definition of uh, concentration is the ability to think of nothing. You also played high school football in Tampa. I understand you were a pretty good quarterback, but you decided, you know what, I need to change positions. And you actually became the kicker. Did you get a scholarship offer from the University of South Carolina to kick for them? Actually, actually, I did. Uh, I was going to be a two-way player in South Carolina, but uh, the the real claim to fame was uh, Johnny Majors out of the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, he had come down my junior year and uh, and offered me a, a scholarship uh, to be quarterback and hand off to Tony Dorsett, and that they had two wide receivers uh, coming in the, the next year, and that uh, they wanted to go to a throwing program. And he had, he had told me that he scouted all over the United States and that, that I was the best uh, thrown quarterback that he'd seen in a long time. 
And I told him, I appreciate that, but we're really going to have to find out what happens in June uh, as far as baseball goes, because uh, I hate to say it, that, that baseball was my first love. But uh, I, always wanted to, I always wanted to grow up to be Joe Willie. That was uh, Joe Namath was my idol growing up. And, and that's the reason that I took 12 going to New York. Uh, was was because of Joe Namath. And, and if he can wear it in New York, so could I. You know what? Amazing that uh, Johnny Majors, I think, uh, didn't uh, Dan Marino end up in Pittsburgh uh, somewhere along uh, yeah, that, that, that was, time? Uh, that was their second choice. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, <Dan. laughs> you know, it's amazing that, you know, you've said that uh, baseball uh, it was your dad's life and that he made you the player you become. Right. And among the things that he did for you, I guess when you were in a slump, he gave you the science of hitting by Ted Williams. And what did you learn from that book? And what did your dad teach you about becoming the player that you finally became? Well, in actuality, the, the, the very first part of my junior, my junior year, um, I, I was swinging at everything. And I was uh, overly aggressive and, and, and really had no patience at all. And my dad checked out the science of hitting from the library and told me to read it over the weekend and then on Monday, he asked me, uh, what did I get out of that book? And, and I told my dad, I said, well, probably the, be the best advice that I got from Ted Williams was patience and to look for a good pitch to hit and wait for it to come. And when you get it, don't miss it. And then in the second half of the season, I just took off and wound up hitting 425 my junior year. And it just made all the difference in the world. All right, we're going to return with 12-time All-Star Wade Boggs right after these messages. Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport. Built Ford Tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. Welcome back to Game Time with Boomer Esiason. In 1985, Wade Boggs' fourth season with the Red Sox, he hit a career-best 368, the highest for a Boston player since the great Ted Williams hit 388 back in 1957. After that season, Williams claimed, Boggs is as smart a hitter as I've ever seen, adding, if he keeps it up like he's going now, he stands to be one of the greatest hitters of all time now. You know, when you think about this way, Ted Williams was not only blessed with the perfect swing, but he also had that legendary 2010 eyesight. That begs the question, are great hitters born or are they made? Born. They're born. So you were, you were born to hit. Oh, how about your eyesight? What is your eyesight? What is your eyesight? Uh, 2012. Mine's 2012. And uh, you, can, you can take a, a 230 hitter and possibly turn him into a 260, 270 hitter. Uh, you're not going to turn a 270 hitter into a 340 hitter. Uh, those things just don't happen. Uh, a guy that hits 300, 305, you can bump him up to 325, possibly 330. You know, you came within one strike with a chance to break the curse of the Bambito back in 1986. Now, I read where Harry Wendelstedt had already asked you for your cap as a souvenir before the game was over. What did you tell him? Oh, mercy. Yeah. I, well, actually, we were one strike away five times. And, and uh, I, ne I, never, I never touched the ball that faithful inning. Um, and Harry Wendelstadt was the third base umpire. And, and he said, uh, Bogsy, 
I collect uh, winning third baseman's hats from World Series. Uh, flip me your hat when you're done. And I said, Harry, game's not over yet. He said, yeah, it is. Look at the board. And the Mets had put up on the board, congratulations, Red Sox, 1986 World Series champions. And that was, that was the first black cat that showed up. And <laughs> then it just started to unravel. And, and then Ray Knight scores. And, and I told Harry, I said, well, I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> um, we had a lead in game seven. So it was the ball was in our court, and it's just one of those things that, that fate has a lot to do with it. And, and really thankful for 2004 when they, they got that, uh, that King Kong off of our back. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough year for you because I know it was over. You cried, and you cried for a number of reasons, but right. you also had a heartbreaking loss in your personal life when, you, when your mom uh, was killed in an awful car accident in Tampa on top of all of that. So I can imagine all those emotions were running together for you. Well, it was uh, one of the worst phone calls I'd ever – actually, it came in uh, Yankee Stadium. I was in the training room, and, and uh, Charlie Moss, our, our trainer for the Red Sox at the time, uh, said that uh, your niece is on the phone, and I had no idea. And then she proceeded to tell me that my mom was killed in a car accident, and and my grandmother was in the hospital. And, and going through the rest of that year, uh, after June 17th, was uh, extremely difficult, knowing uh, wholeheartedly that uh, I have to go home and walk through the door, and uh, my mom's not going to be there. And uh, that was that was the sort of the stake in the heart that uh, that got me. Losing the World Series uh, was extremely difficult, but um, there were there were you know a lot of extenuating circumstances that. Uh, led to that faithful picture of, of me sitting in the dugout. And you know, your dad wouldn't let you quit baseball because I'm sure the emotions probably told you otherwise personally, but he was in your corner and he wanted to make sure that you were determined to get back on the field. Absolutely, absolutely. My dad and my wife, uh, Debbie, got back on the plane with, with, uh, with our daughter and, and got to Boston and flew in, got to our uh, condo and, and I said, I got to go to the yard and I got, I got to the ballpark uh, that Sunday afternoon and I got dressed and, and John McNamara was at the end of the tunnel and he goes, what in the hell are you doing here? And I said, Mac, I need to be here. And uh, it was, it was soothing. Um, the next night we had a, a Monday night game and got a, a long, long ovation uh, from the Boston fans and, and uh, so it, it made me feel uh, just extremely thankful for, for what, they, uh, what they showed to me. You know, I know it's a tough question to ask and uh, even harder to answer. And I appreciate you being so forthright with us and, and uh, honest about your emotions. And it really does mean a lot to me that you shared that with us. So we'll be back more with five-time American League batting champion Wade Boggs. It's game time with Boomer Esiason. Back with more with uh, Wade Boggs. And uh, Wade, you just told a 
very emotional story, very sad story, but I want to move forward to 1996, and you finally win a World Series ring with your Yankees. Now, you were in the middle of a, a kind of a struggle in that, uh, in that World Series against the Atlanta uh, Braves, and I remember, if I remember correctly, you were asked to pinch hit, and you went up against Steve Avery, and you worked out what I would call a clutch walk in the biggest moment in the game. Well, it was uh, one of those points in time that, that uh, I, I think I was the last player left on the bench at that time uh, in the in the 10th inning. And we had the bases loaded and two outs. And, and I'm watching Avery warm up in the, in the Atlanta bullpen. And, and doing all my homework, I knew that Avery hadn't pitched in 21 days. So he wasn't going to be as sharp as, as everyone had planned. And, and originally that uh, – Joe Torrey was thinking about pinch hitting David Cohn and Don Zimmer said, Boggs is still available. And so Joe Torrey said, uh, Boggsy, grab a bat. And I said, all right. And Jimmy Key goes, Hey, Boggsy, key holy. And, uh, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll do that to the best of my ability. Right. And it's, it's probably one of those at bats that you go up there and, and Javi Lopez is the catcher for, uh, the Atlanta Braves, and, and he's sitting there on his knees, and he looks up at me and goes, Boggsy, you live for this moment, don't you? And I said, Javi, this is what it's all about right here. And then wound up getting the walk, and and it would have never been in that uh, situation had it not been for the big home run that uh, Jim Larynx hit off of uh, off of uh, Wallers. So um, to, to have one of your greatest at-bats in, in, in the big leagues in your 18-year career and you call it a walk, uh, sort of speaks volumes. What I loved most about that World Series was you hopping on the police horse in Wade Boggs style, doing Wade Boggs things in the middle of Yankee Stadium. I'm thinking about what are all these Red Sox fans looking at right now? They just got to be sick to their stomach watching you just enjoy your, the hell out of yourself in Yankee Stadium on the back of a police horse. Well, there were probably a lot of bricks through TVs at that time. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, going back to that, that faithful moment um, till this day, I haven't gone back to look at the video on how I got up on that horse. So we decided to take a victory lap. And the next thing I know, I'm in left center field on a horse. And <laughs> so I have no idea how that happened. And, and then finally get back around and, and go back into the locker room for the celebration. But uh, yeah, it was one of those moments that uh, was, was so surreal. And, and I just, I think every camera in, in Yankee Stadium has a different angle of, of me riding around on that horse. I'm glad you have that great memory. Well, look how Wade Box uh, became known as the Chicken Man right after this. Drive into Manhattan for an unforgettable staycation at Midtown Manhattan's luxurious Kimberly Hotel. Treat yourself to New York City without the crowds, protected by our highest safety and hygiene protocols to keep your family safe. Welcome back to Game Time with Boomer Esiason. All right, we're back with Wade Boggs. Now, Wade Boggs' most famous superstition was eating chicken before every game, hence his nickname, the Chicken Man. Did you eat chicken before every game? Yeah, I, I started eating chicken every day and, and coincidentally performing well. And I would go on the road to restaurants and, and eat the chicken and 
And so Jim Rice, uh, naturally, in, in late 84, uh, gave me the, the nickname uh, Chicken Man. So it's all due to, to Jim Rice that, uh, that labeled me the Chicken Man. All right, here we go. I know how competitive you are. We have a little game on this show that we love to call Chicken Nuggets. Are you up for a challenge to answer a couple questions about chicken? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, here we go. In the popular Latin American dish called Arroza Pollo, is the main ingredients besides chicken is what? Yellow rice. Arrosco. Yes, Arrosco. there you go. What's the secret ingredient most commonly used for tenderizing the meat in southern fried chicken? Buttermilk. Yes. In 1974, Ted Giannoulis introduced Padre fans to this unique chicken. The San Diego chicken. Very good. I like it so far. All right, final one. Which famous Italian chicken dish inspired a famous pun involving one of your former managers? Ooh. Uh, you got me there. Chicken cacciatore. Don't be a chicken. Oh, cacciatore. Oh, goodness. It's probably on page 17 of my cookbook. <laughs> exactly. You know, Wade, it was great talking to you. Thanks for being such a good sport and sharing all the stories. And uh, I appreciate you, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Boomer. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. Our thanks to Wade Boggs for joining us today. And to all of you for watching on Boomer Esiason. I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with NBA legend Charles Oakley. I come across this Wade Boggs challenge. It's kind of an Ironman competition when it comes to consuming beers. So I, I want to know what the Wade Boggs record is on a plane flight, say, from Boston to go play the Seattle Mariners. I certainly don't uh, invite people to uh, try to try to uh, duplicate this. But uh, back in the day, uh, the, the record was 73 from Boston to L.A. It's one of those things that, that don't try at home. Yeah, don't try it at home for sure. But I remember, you know, I had a few offensive linemen that could uh, probably go toe-to-toe with you, I would imagine, or belly-to-belly with you, I would imagine. <laughs>